Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. John, the big get for this week is Hall of Famer and TBS studio analyst Pedro Martinez. It's going to be fun. You know, Andrew, speaking for all Washington sports fans, we're hoping for an even bigger get. Al Michaels, tell me you're right. Please be right. I think what the league would love is for Snyder to sell the team. Not have to go to a vote, but just sell the team. Because it's become a major problem around the league, obviously. And we're back. The Marshan and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshan, sports media columnist for the New York Post. And he's John Oran. John Arad. The media reporter for the Sports Business Journal. And John, today we have the big get, Pedro Martinez. Uh, it's uh, We already did it. It's an excellent interview. Uh, Pedro is just, he's, he's a lot of fun. Pedro has adopted being a member of the media like nobody else. I loved it. It was great. And last week we had Marie Donahue, VP for Amazon Prime Video, uh, and she was uh, excellent. A lot of great feedback about uh, Donahue and Amazon's plans. There are going to be NFL games on Black Friday in 2023. Uh, We'll talk about that a little bit later. But let's first start with who's up and who's down. Who's up? Who's down? All right, Andrew, I'll lead us off. Speaking of Marie Donahue, I have Marie Donahue as our who's up from Amazon having nothing to do with the Black Friday games. Because like you said, we talked about this uh, you know, m- months ago. Uh, this is because Amazon just had their lowest viewership uh, for Thursday night football so far. 8.8 million people viewed the Commanders versus Bears. It was an awful game. And why am I giving her a who's up after that? It doesn't even matter. This is no matter what happens moving forward. This has been a successful season for Amazon. They've showed already that they can amass 13 million, 14 million people watching these games via Amazon. They're, they're, they're a legitimate platform. And if I'm any other rights holder, that's what one question that they've been able to answer to where even their lowest game, 8.8 million, is still, is still not a bad number. That's what, that's what I thought they were going to get for their highest game before these uh, the season started. So the idea of them flirting with all-time lows, it still may come. They still have some dogs on the schedule, but no matter what happens from here on out, I think it's a huge win for Marie, Jay Marine, and Amazon. My who's up, John Shambi. Shambi is going to call the World Series on ESPN Radio starting next year. Dan Shulman is going to end his 12-year run at this World Series, Shulman's tremendous. Now, John, I reported this the other day. Think about the names that have that have done the World Series on radio. Now, they only started doing that on having national broadcasters in 1979. These are the names. Vin Scully, Jack Buck, John Miller, Shulman, and now it will be John Shambi. Uh, and so you look at that those names, uh, and Shambi, he, he's deserving. I uh, mean, Shulman's tremendous. 
Shambi uh, is excellent, uh, but that is a, a a big job. You know, generally speaking, in the past, uh, before Matt Vasgersian got Sunday Night uh, Baseball, uh, the Sunday Night Baseball guy would do the ESPN radio. Right now, Carl Ravitch is the Sunday Night Baseball uh, play-by-play on TV. Shambi does the radio predominantly for most weeks during Sunday night. So it was kind of weird that Shulman would come in um, and, and do the World Series. But now uh, Shulman, and I think Shulman wanted this too. He wanted to step aside. He does the Blue Jays. Uh, if the Blue Jays ever were to make the playoffs and, and get to the World Series, the way it works in Canada, uh, Shulman would do that throughout. If he was doing ESPN radio still, he wouldn't be able to. Uh, so it works out. Those two are good friends, I think. And uh, Shambi gets the big opportunity starting next year andrew i gotta ask you just as a quick dig- digression john shambi who's that do you mean boog shambi why, why didn't you use boog because i'm a official like this is an official podcast all right this is you know i we we, we should have discussed before we even started the podcast we call people mr shambi <laughs> <laughs> well, well, on time, this podcast uh, there's only ever one boog and he used to play in baltimore okay there you go <laughs> all right well, why don't you take us who, who's your who's down Who's down? Bob Costas. Now, Bob Costas is one of the greatest sportscasters uh, of all time. Uh, I could make an argument. Maybe he's had the greatest career. Uh, he's been on or he was on the Yankees and the Guardian series. And it's been a little bit disjointed. He hadn't done a playoff series in 20 years. A uh, game one was particularly bad where he uh, didn't have Ron Darling involved basically at all. Now that can maybe fall a little bit on Darling, but it's the job of the play-by-play guy to bring it, to bring it in. Now I've always liked Costas. I think what what he gets hit on is for being too intelligent, which is a weird thing in our society to get hit on. But I do think sometimes when you are watching these games uh, and he kind of has improved as the series went on, it's just not what you expect really from Costas. It just wasn't, it's not casual enough. Now for the LCS, he'll move in the studio with Ernie Johnson going back to NBA. Uh, and he kind of just needs to fit into that show. We have Pedro on later. Uh, and he talks about, you know, the big call that they talk about all the time when there's a home run is a Ding Dong Johnson, uh, <laughs> which doesn't really, you know, there's Bob Costas and Ding Dong Johnsons. You don't think about them, but he kind of just to fit in with that. You know, I'll be interested to see how that studio goes. We saw it last year. It's got to be more about you're just joining in. Uh, and, you know, Ernie's so good at just kind of deferring. Uh, you know, and Bob's, he's become Bob Costas because of his ability to articulate points and, and to, to really think, um, you know, in depth on issues. But I think a show like that, that's not really what they're looking for, looking to have fun, you know, especially post game, you know, after these games are done with uh, the who's your daddy segment, and then uh, the ding dong Johnson's and, you know, the ex players just kind of breaking down what just happened. Yeah, my social feed was filled with vitriol about Casas. But one thing I'll say in Casas' defense, when I hear his voice, it's a big game voice. I know it's a big game, and I and I, w- I want to watch that game. So I, I I don't know how much that matters moving forward for for some of these programmers, but uh, he he still has the voice that makes me want to watch. Yeah, I don't really care about the Twitter reaction. I go more my reaction. Uh, you know, obviously you look at social media, but social media hates every announcer. I've always said this, if Vin Scully was doing games right now in his prime, people would be crushing Vin Scully. Yeah, this guy goes on and on, story after story. And I do think it's a different time. I think broadcasting has changed. I, I think we kind of um, look at things a little bit differently than we once did. And I will say this, this is true in like most things. Uh, if you compare today's broadcasters to broadcasters of the past, 
and it was an even playing. I think the broadcasters today are by and large better than they were back in the day. If you go look at old video, it's we have this, there wasn't as much scrutiny. We don't watch it. We forget. And, you know, uh, you know, the heart grows a little fonder when time passes. But I think the announcers today, uh, by and large, are better than they were back in the day. All right. So I'm going to go with my who's down. And it's Yossi Bentertritt, who is the head of programming. Uh, he's a head programming officer at Altice USA. And everybody wants to talk about cord cutting. Everybody wants to talk about streaming. I'm telling you right now, the cable bundle is, it's not healthy, but it's still around and it's going to be for a while. Altice went right up to the mat with Fox Sports. Right before the weekend, uh, they were going to drop Fox Sports and FS1 as Fox was going into a college football. As Fox was going to have, uh, Altice is in uh, Long Island. They were going to have the New York Jets on Fox. Altice buckled quicker than any, any other programming dispute I'd ever seen. They can't go without sports. Sports is such a huge part now of these multi-channel uh, delivery uh, operators like Altice and like Dish Network. And any time that you see a carriage dispute or a carriage disagreement, uh, it's going to favor the, the programmers uh, right now because they have sports and the sports are year round. So if it wasn't college football Saturday, you know, it would be the World Series eventually. And if it wasn't that, it was going to it, it would be you know, something else. There's always something. It's a tide that keeps going. And that was a very quick buckling. And so so that is uh, Yossi Bentertritt, uh, my who's down this week. Yeah, 100%. Uh, the idea of cable going away, I think, you know, we've talked about it. It's going to go down, but I don't think it's going anywhere, especially because if you want to watch all these games, you got to find a way to have a cable subscription or access to a lot of these games. Like, look at the LCS, right, in, in baseball. If you want to watch these games, I know what you're talking about uh, only involves FS1, right, and the main one is, is Fox, uh, you know, Fox, the local stations and Fox news, but also FS one and then TBS. So if you want to watch the LCS, you need cable. Uh, it, some games will be on Fox, you know, broadcast, but for the most part it's on cable. So I think you're right. Sports is going to hold that together. And, uh, um, we'll still be talking about K. I think if we're still doing this in 10 years, are we still talking about K. I think we are. I don't think the cable's going anywhere. Are we talking about cable in 10 years? The NFL deal deals, they go 11 years and they're predicated on linear television. Of course, we're going to be talking about cable. But what we don't know yet is wh where the, the floor is and how far that's going to go down. That, that brings us to our, our first topic, which is, uh, you know, the NBA season is getting ready to start. And I know the rights deal doesn't happen for three more seasons. You know, it happens after the 24-25 season. But this is this is what the NBA has to take a look at, you know, do they want to go after Amazon, which is, you know, there are more than a hundred million Amazon prime customers, or do they want to go after Apple TV? You know, how many people own, own iPhones? I, I don't even know, know that number, or are they going to stick with uh, a, a, a Turner, which is, you know, Turner, unlike ESPN, which has ABC, Turner doesn't have a broadcaster associated with it. How far is that going to go? How many homes is TNT going to be in? Right now, it's in about, you know, the 70 million homes. It used to be in more than 90 million homes. How far does that go down? And does it go down so far that the NBA says, you know what, we, you, you need to get some sort of broadcast component associated with you before we feel comfortable sort of 
hitching such an important package to uh, to Turner again? All the above is my answer to your uh, what you put out there. Uh, and this is what <laughs> I meant, right? Well, look, this is a big issue. And it, and it goes into, we have this list on our topics. The Turner just re-signed Charles Barkley uh, to a 10-year deal. Uh, I reported it's for uh, upwards of $100 million, I think closer to $200 million overall. The way the deal works is that- So that's Romo money, but not Brady money. Yeah, exactly. I think Romo is the one to look at. I think Romo is the one where you're the comp is the Romo Aikman type money. When you look at it, it's three years and then the other, the next seven years, if Turner uh, is able to keep the NBA, then you know Barkley won't go anywhere and he'll be part of uh, their family basically till the end of his career, most likely. Uh, so you look at it. So why they do that? Well, for one, do you want Amazon or Apple to be able to take Charles Barkley and the rest of that crew and say, we'll just take uh, you know, inside the NBA and put on Amazon or Apple. Uh, you don't want to do that. So a smart move uh, by uh, Discover Warner Brothers Discovery. Is it Discovery Warner Brothers or Warner Brothers Discovery? It's Warner Brothers Discovery Sports now, actually. Okay. All right. There's a lot going on there. Uh, and so uh, I, I always get me out. I got to think about every time that name comes up. They got a w- WBDS. Does that, is that any simpler? I don't you think get so. get that email now. Yeah. No, I don't know. They're going to have to do something with that. <laughs> don't you agree? It's too long. Yeah. Yeah. We, we need to try the it's Turner. It's so simple. TNT. So what is going on? Then, then in Brazil this week, uh, Amazon did a deal where they're going to do like 70 or 80 regular season games in Brazil. So Amazon, again, growing. These are relationship businesses. You start getting the business with these people. They feel more comfortable with you. You start writing the biggest check. And all of a sudden, the NBA is on Amazon. I'm not saying it's definitely going to happen, but you can see where that's going. Uh, Apple, uh, you know, it, I, I'm very interested. I'm curious with Apple. You know, we, we're going to talk about Sunday Ticket a little bit later, but they... They just think like their game plan's a little bit different, right? I don't know. I, I I haven't seen it. Yeah, they did the baseball Friday games, but that was kind of like a one-off, not a lot of money. They haven't, they have not shown commitment to big money to per, not really, you know, Amazon produces their games with help from NBC, but they to to really kind of go into being like a full service. They kind of want to it seems as if they want to sell subscriptions, which is basically what Sunday ticket is. Here's the thing with, with Apple. They're uh, and, and why the NBA is such a, a watermark for me. They're building up their, their sports practice. Uh, they did spend uh, this, this MLS deal. I know MLS is not top of the U.S. Uh, sports media spectrum. It's a totally unique deal uh, for, for, uh, for um, Apple. Apple, if, they're, if they want the NBA, if they decide, like, let's really go after the NBA, they're going to dig in their pockets to get the NBA. Uh, I think... One of the things, Alex Sherman for, from CNBC actually had a good story on this, and he was talking about the Sunday ticket uh, negotiations. The NFL is used to everybody bending to their will. Well, Apple's used to everybody bending to their will. So that's you know part of the problem going on there. At, at some point, though, if Apple wants something, uh, they, they have the wherewithal and money to get it. They have people in Eddie Q that are really interested in, in, in sports. Uh, it's we're going to see with the NBA if just how interested they are. Actually, I met Eddie Q at the uh, World Congress last week. He almost started talking to me, and their PR person came over and said he's not doing any interview, so that ended. And the PR person told me that you could email him, and then he get back to me. It's still waiting. So uh, Apple, if you're out there, <laughs> I'd love to hear your side of things so I can express them on this uh, podcast. Uh, we're very interested in knowing your strategy. 
Uh, Eddie Q, I, I as a, a witness to that, he said that he would talk to you. Honey, you yeah, have to walk I mean, I did the old like baseball move. This is when you cover baseball for a long time. You walk with the manager, the player, and you kind of learn that move. But he was kind of going into, you know, this is very fancy, the Sports Business Journal, the green room. And so it wasn't really, I knew I wasn't going to get much there. So I tried to become, came back out and really gave me time. And maybe I could understand uh, more about what Apple is doing. Uh, anyways, I did have the idea of, uh, having coaches talks in, uh, the Apple stores, which I definitely would hope they do. Uh, cause, uh, when they have the uh, Apple games each week, if they have, uh, for, they for have the, the MLS coach, coaches, the MLS, right? yeah. they have the coaches in there. I think that's a really good idea. So it's interesting. We want to know what Apple's trying to do. We're still trying to figure that out. Um, we knew about MLS and major league baseball, uh, those stories, uh, but we're trying to figure out exactly what Apple is up to. Uh, and here, here's another thing, you know, I told, I wrote about the NBA app in my newsletter a couple of weeks ago. And I do think that's important. The Clippers are going to do, I think it's 76 games with all kinds of alternative streams. Uh, that's kind of, that seems like a big deal. That's one of those, put the fingers up like Winhorst and say, what is happening in LA? What does this mean? Did I do that right? I don't think so, but it, you guys I, got the point. I don't know. I, I, I this, this is a linear TV bias that I have going into this. They're going to have six different streams for a Clippers team. What are they going to have? 60 people per screen? You know, and, and how much production uh, value and money or an effort are they going to put into each of those streams? It's, you know, we'll, we'll see if it works. I don't, I'm I don't necessarily disagree. And we kind of maybe sound old saying that. However, I do think this is how you start experimenting. Kind of like we talked about, uh, even like Amazon and the NBA, they're going to they're gonna have a relationship in Brazil. And then you kind of, so do you start with the Clippers, uh, even though it's the LA market, but second team in the LA market and you you see how that works out. And then you can kind of, I do think a lot of this, you have to experiment before you really go in big. Uh, that's kind of always been an argument with us. Like you're like Amazon. Why didn't they get the Super Bowl? <laughs> I, I would tell you though, six different streams. That's going in big, man. That is <laughs> like, extreme. But, it does extreme. And some of these streams, I like. Here's my thing and all this stuff. I'm always like, like who does that appeal to? And I don't know. Some of these streams, they, I don't, I don't know who that appeals to. All right, let's move. Any more on the NBA start of the season? Excited for the season. Uh, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, the uh, Wizards are going to be battling for that ninth uh, play-in spot. I can't wait for it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I am interested in, and let's get going, NBA. I do want to get find out what this play-in tournament and what their real the, the plan is, because that maybe comes in next year. So that, that's going to be interesting. I, I think it's a speak, good idea. Speaking as a fan, I can't wait for that. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. I didn't and mean play-in tournament, actually. I should have said in the in-season tournament. The, the, I mean. the mid-season tournament, yeah. And, and also, I, can, can you imagine the rights fees that that's going to generate as well? It's going to make the, the regular season that much more important early in the season. So I, I, I like everything about that idea. Yeah, I do. I think that, that could be good. All right, let's move to topic two, the NFL. And we had this at the top, Al Michaels comments. Let's play the full thing, John, of what he said about Dan Snyder on Amazon's Thursday Night Football. I found this interesting that Al went here. There was a report today on ESPN alleging that Snyder is accumulating damaging info on other owners and Roger Goodell is leverage. There he is in the middle to avoid being voted out of the league. Our Michael Smith reporting before the game. Snyder is the subject of five different investigations or inquiries for sexual harassment, a toxic work environment, financial irregularities. This has been an ongoing story with the investigations and all of that. And the owners have a meeting scheduled in New York on Tuesday. It is not currently on the agenda. 
fields under pressure. Just my feeling, I think what the league would love is for Snyder to sell the team. Not have to go to a vote, but just sell the team. Because it's become a major problem around the league, obviously. And we'll see what happens. I think it's got a long way to go, and Dan very well known for digging his heels into the ground. So there's an inside media kind of story here. This is a week old now, but still, I it happens on Thursday. Podcast podcast had just come out last week. So does Al just say that, or does Al get a nod? Now Al did the game on Thursday. Friday he's at Robert Kraft's royal wedding. That's gotten a lot of coverage. Uh, and uh, Al introduced the. Uh, groom and bride or bride and groom as I say bride and groom uh and so uh you know there's a relationship with Kraft I reported before that Kraft you know was calling on behalf of Al to networks trying to get him one of these jobs at the Super Bowl at the end of the year uh and uh so there's a relationship there I don't know it seems to me you know I know Al said this is just my thoughts or just my opinion uh I don't think so I'm not saying Al doesn't have that opinion but I think it's a well-informed opinion Al is an elder statesman he doesn't need to have his comments blessed by the NFL, but that sounded like one that uh, had some inside knowledge uh, to it. So it's, uh, as I said in the opening, it's one every DC sports fan is keeping their eyes on, and they're all hoping that that uh, that Al Michaels is onto something there. Were you invited to Kraft's wedding? You know, it's in the middle of the season, uh, Andrew. I can't, I couldn't go even if I was. There you go, Andrew. Before we get to our big get, Pedro Martinez. Let's do some quick hits on the right steals that are up. Big 12, what do you know? I think a deal could happen relatively soon. I think the Big 12 wants that to happen. They can only negotiate with ESPN and Fox. I think the magic number is probably 400 million. Can they get the combination of ESPN and Fox to get to 400 million? And I think they there could be a deal to be done. Uh, I think the sides are apart at the moment, but there's movement. Look, if I'm the Big 12, I might wait, quite honestly, because if you go 16 months from now, uh, you can bring in all the other players and negotiate with them. If I'm ESPN and to a lesser degree Fox, I'm being a little more aggressive. If I'm them, I want to box out those other. I don't want Amazon to have a chance at this. Let them have the, you know, go have the Pac-12 uh, and, you know, let that go into oblivion. Uh, and if, if, if I'm the... You know, and I'm on ESPN, is it going to cost me more in a year and a half than it is now? I would say it's going to cost you more than it. So if you pay a little bit more than you really want right now, it probably makes sense. Yeah, I, I, I generally agree with you. I think that expansion is uh, is sort of no longer on the table as, a, as an immediate concern right now, it, it looks like. I think that the Big 12, if, if they waited, could certainly get some some more money. But expansion is, is is still out there as a as a possibility. If I'm the Big 12 and I have uh, ESPN and Fox, really the two networks that run college football, I want to get that deal done. I want to get it done quickly, and I I, I want to make a statement. And that also leads to the Pac-12, Andrew, uh, which is out there. Uh, they are now looking around at the uh, uh, the digital players, Apple. Amazon, uh, Google is, is is playing around as well. They're trying to get up, get get the money up as high as they can. So they're less about w wanting to stick with ESPN and Fox, both of whom want to do a deal with the Pac-12 at the right price, which is not the price that the Pac-12 wants to be at right now. Yeah, I, mean, I look. I think though, 
if you if you talk about you know where you want to be, I still think it's ESPN and Fox because I think on this podcast we both now you're kind of seeing I you know I kind of been bullish on Amazon. Uh, the reason I said oblivion before is because I don't know if it works with college football and like, especially not like lesser tier college football. Pac-12 has some good teams. They just, without UCLA and USC, uh, they don't really have those many marquee teams uh, that are contending for a national championship. You're shaking your head. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with you. I think that they, they have some really good teams. I, I think that's your East Coast bias, Andrew. Uh, I think uh, Washington, Oregon, Arizona, Colorado. I think that they they, they have uh, you know Stanford and 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 Cal, even though they're not. But I think, but if you're on Amazon, reasons. but I guess my point is more media wise is that if you go to Amazon, you're standalone. Yes, you'll be promoted on Thursday night football. But do you have good enough teams for the East Coast biased people or other people who aren't fans of those teams to get to watch those games? And I don't know if they do. I, I think if you're on Fox or NBC or ABC or CBS. You're going to get people who come into a game, uh, ESPN as well, going to come into a game where they might not have. And I think that's the one thing with Amazon that you don't have with the NFL because it's the NFL, but you may have if you are uh, uh, college football, you know, at the top five conferences, if you're five of those top five. This is fascinating. We, we've totally turned on uh, on Amazon. I'm now the, the, the bullish one on, on, on Amazon. I like All it we needed. I like it for the NBA. I just think lesser, they don't really, first off, I, I think they're interested, but we'll see how interested they really only do top tier. And I think they probably know more than we do in terms of what works. And I think top tier works on okay, streaming. So if I'm a, if I'm a Pac-12 fan, uh, more people will watch me on Amazon prime than the Pac-12 networks by far. And but that's, and, but that was that, yeah, but that's an all-time disaster, right? Pac-12 network. Yeah. I want to write a book on that. In fact. All right. So let's go. You mentioned it at the top, uh, right steel. Let's quick hitter Amazon Friday. It got announced on Tuesday afternoon officially. Uh, I wrote about it a couple of months ago. What do you know, Andrew? Well, I just think this is what Amazon does. It's a great move for them. Uh, Black Friday is obviously a big deal for them to sell products um, for the holiday season. And uh, I, I think that it makes a lot of sense. And I think fans will really like it. And it becomes a it becomes a tentpole event that every year it's like, all right, Black Friday game. And if you give us a pretty good game uh, that people are going to want to watch it. And it just makes sense. Uh, I think when you're trying to understand the Amazon business, which we've tried to understand, I think that makes sense. Yeah. You can look at what they're doing over in England with the premier league and the boxing day games where they own all the day games on boxing day. That's why on almost every pod I mentioned when, when the NBA comes up, Christmas Day games, I could see them wanting wanting to get those. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day games, I can see them wanting to get those, and and just kind of uh, you know getting something along those lines. And Black Friday works with that as well. Yeah, I think they'll have a weekly. I think they'll have a weekly too when when the NBA deal. If they do do that deal, I think there'll be a weekly as well. I don't think it'll just be the holidays. All right, Live Golf. I had uh, Eric Shanks on stage at uh, the World Congress. I asked him about Live. He said that they had been talking. Uh, like every other network, he said there's no heat there. I think that was his exact uh, quote. Uh, and if you know, if any deal is going to be had, nothing's coming from uh, uh, until next next year at the earliest. There's nothing imminent that looks like in terms of any of the uh, linear major linear networks in the U.S. And you think it happens next year or no? Yeah, I think so. You do. Oh, yeah. And your best bet. Uh, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if Fox ends up uh, taking them. Uh, uh, but if they get if they get brand names 
that bring viewers, networks will overlook uh, just about anything. Let's move to the next one. Sunday Ticket, what do you know? Sunday Ticket, Hans Schroeder was, uh, was at the World Congress again last week, asked about Sunday Ticket. He didn't say much, uh, but he did in terms of a timetable, hoping for something by the end of the year. Uh, we talked earlier about you know this, them going back and forth with Apple. They're trying to get people uh, interested in it. Um, I don't suspect that they're going to have a problem selling it. I don't know what the price is going to be. Apple, I think, is still the front runner, but uh, I'm starting to, to, to get queasy on that. Hans Schroeder is a top head honcho at the NFL, but he's not Tom Brady. So we need a title, John. Come on, Abe Matcor, the head of Sports Business Journal, is going to send you a little note. You got to give us a title. I would have put it in, but I was trying to think of what his title is. I think this is, this this is off the top of my head, too. He's an executive yeah. vice president and chief operating officer of NFL media, and he reports to the person that doesn't listen to the show. No, nah, he does. Oh, wait, who's that? Nobody. That's not, he reports to nobody. Good job, Actually, Hans. You know what? We brought that up last week, and Marie Dunny has said Brian Rollup, of course, listens to the show. Exactly. So. Brian Rollup is the head guy there. Uh, he definitely listens. Hi, Brian. We didn't have Brian on. Brian, open invitation. All right, to talk about it, maybe after Sunday ticket deal. All right, NASCAR, uh, what do you got last topic? NASCAR, the rights are coming out. Uh, the the uh, ratings are up. Uh, they're starting to talk to people. My bet is that the, the, they're going to try to renew early, like like we talked about with the Big 12, get uh, Fox and NBC to, uh, to join on. I think Fox and NBC both want to keep them. I don't think ESPN has, has much interest. I think that it, it builds itself... To, a, to linear distribution. And if they do a deal with NBC, every deal NBC does includes some sort of Peacock uh, involvement as well. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. John, joining us now, the big get, and they don't come much bigger than Pedro Martinez, Hall of Famer, 10th season with TBS, first full season this year as they expanded their package and added Tuesday nights. Uh, Pedro, thanks for joining us, uh, first off. And then the big news this week from Turner is uh, Charles Barkley, 10-year deal. You, you get a 10-year deal soon, too? <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm I'm, I'm going uh, day by day as... as uh... As we, uh, you know, attempt to to finish this this postseason, uh, I don't worry about that. I, I I'm so grateful for the opportunity to, you know, get a chance to explore, you know, new new things. I never thought, to be honest, and and you guys know me really well from my days in baseball. I never thought I would see myself, you know, on television working, but. When when it comes to baseball, I, I'm like a I'm, I'm a geek. I I love I love baseball in all aspects. And the the good thing about this is that Turner has allowed me to be myself. Uh, they allow me to uh, continue to think like a player, continue to use my mind in the different situations, continue to learn, and. Uh, they pay me for something I love to do, which is always analyze baseball, analyze the players, analyze situations, see, you know, what, what others have in mind. 
that that I wasn't expecting, and uh, and as well some of the mistakes they make, how I am able to pick them up and kind of try to correct it by by saying it through this platform. Well, Pedro, our goal here is to get you closer to that Barkley money. But uh, that, that, that <laughs> I don't think Chuck is a special breed, you know. Chuck <laughs> is a special breed. I hope that one day I can become someone like him, but I. I still believe I have a lot to learn. Uh, uh, you know, I have to develop myself a little bit more and uh, I'm, I'm humbled to be here and, and uh, extremely grateful. Well, Pedro, I, I want to go back, uh, you know, we're a sports media podcast, so we're just, we're media geeks uh, as well. <laughs> Your playing career, uh, what a career, New York, Boston, Philly. I can't think of three tougher media markets to play in. What was the toughest? Uh, I would say Boston. Boston was the toughest because Boston is very educated. And Boston is the only city where I have seen a, a radio station 24-7 talking about whatever sports there is in Boston. Remember, Boston has a lot of college kids. Boston is really passionate about their, their Red Sox, their, 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 their Patriots, their Bruins. Uh, Celtics, everybody. Uh, Boston is very knowledgeable of each one of their sports. They, before you get to one of the stadiums, they know exactly what they what they need to look for from the athletes that they have. It, it, it is really difficult to fool a fan in Boston because if you are not aware of what's going on in Boston, the fans will remind you. And the radio station will let that fan know what they need to be looking for. I I think Boston is so demanding, so passionate, and so knowledgeable that you you are afraid to kind of go out there and go through the motions. You have to be on the edge every single day. You have to be 100% focused every time you go out there. Every time you go out there, you have to give yourself 100% to what you're doing. And if you don't, they will let you know when you're slacking. They will let you know in a heartbeat. The only thing that that I think is really good about Boston is that they understand when you're not 100%. And they know it because the media will dig for it. (laughs) And they they somehow find out when you're not 100%, when you're making an extra effort to, to, to do well for Boston. Uh, and as far as difficulties in New York, Boston, or Philly, guess what? It's exactly what I needed because I was passionate. I, I wanted the challenge. I wanted to face the best guys out there. I wanted to face the best team. I, I, I wanted to see everybody chanting, Pedro, who's your daddy? Every time I took the mound because it put me up to the highest level. Of, of competition that I have. Pedro, your uh, career speaks for itself, a Hall of Fame career. I'm an Oriole fan. I you used to frustrate <laughs> me every time you, you, you took the mound, I think. I, I, I don't think you lost a game to the Orioles in your career. Uh, do you recall when you were in the middle of that media maelstrom where, where it was a storm and it was, and it was negative? And, and uh, do, do, do you recall like when that happened and what you did to get out of it? I do recall the the good thing about being in those type of situations. Uh, you guys know it. 
that I never uh, was able to hide my thoughts, my my feelings towards whatever situation there was. Uh, there were some misunderstanding. I don't think anybody ever imagined that I was the person I was once I took the uniform off. On my days to pitch, I did not want to have friends. I did not want to talk to anybody. I was just a team player, and I wanted to protect my players, and I wanted to do whatever it took to beat the opposition. But when it came to the media, I wasn't a big fan of having to say much. I wanted to just leave it up to you to realize what went on in the game, and I wanted you to ask me about the game. But when you're really honest and you're going to speak your mind and you're going to say what you're going to say, even if you're frustrated and you call the Yankees your daddy, uh, I, I think the media loves it. I think the media appreciates an honest answer. And I was able to always give an honest answer and a true answer. I would not hide from answering whatever question you had. For me, not speaking to the media was difficult for some of them. For a guy like Chanosi, I, I I didn't care. I didn't want to talk to Chanosi. But some of you guys that were gentlemen away from the microphone and the spotlight, I, I wanted to really give you an answer. Sometimes I just couldn't because it would rub off the wrong way or maybe the team and I were going to get into a fist fight, and, and that, that's not something I wanted. I always wanted to finish in, in a good way with whatever team I play for and respect, you know, the business part of it, which is the dark part of, of baseball. Uh, I was always respectful of that, and, and I understood what the media really uh, dig for and what they wanted to hear, and uh, I was really cautious to not get myself in more trouble than I was. Now, Pedro, I covered the Mets and Yankees for many years. Um, but the thing about Boston and, and the media up there, I felt like every one of those guys, every writer had a TV gig or a radio gig. <laughs> they are multimedia stars, those guys. Oh, those guys are so well prepared. Those guys are so, uh, such a veterans. Like, like you can pick up a young kid that just graduated, but he graduated from Harvard. <laughs> you know, he graduated from Boston University top colleges in the country, they are the best students and the best professionals out there. So they're really flexible. Like you can pick up anybody from Boston that went to college and uh, somewhat studied probably anything. And they know a little bit of everything. And remember, Boston is very educated and, and uh, everybody that you pick from any uh, you know career out there in Boston must be really well prepared. Great schools in Boston, great, great you know, uh, jobs and, and professionals all around Boston. And you, um, you mentioned Dan Shaughnessy who's you know, the top, <laughs> I think sports called as the Boston Glober, you know, they have, they have a bunch, but he's been there for a long time. You never spoke to him. I did. Oh, okay. Oh, you know, I must admit he's a great columnist. Yeah. He wasn't the most positive columnist <laughs> in, in, in Boston. <laughs> And, and that's what I'm saying. No, he I'm wanted... a York guy. He's known for not being the most positive guy. He doesn't have. Oh my God! Guy. If you want to lose before you start a season, <laughs> talk to Chelsea. But the Red Sox are gonna just collide the bus. The 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 the, the curse of the Bambino or uh, the injuries or whatever. Uh, how he looks, 
Chelsea was the most negative reporter I've ever met in my life. And he had the rights to probably be negative after 86 years waiting, and Chelsea probably waited for 40 of them uh, waiting to see a championship. I don't blame him for being negative. But man, something got to change someday. You have to kind of, you know, uh, allow yourself to enjoy the game without probably having to suffer until the suffering came over. And Chelsea was one of those guys that was suffering even before we threw a pitch. Yeah, 100%. He was to that level of negativity. Let me let me understand this too, this perspective, because having been in the clubhouse and like I covered Armando Benitez back in the day uh, yeah. with the Mets, who was a very good closer, had trouble in in big games. I always used to say to people, imagine you go to a foreign country, you do your job most of the time, let's say 95% of the time you do it well, and then you don't do it the job well, and you see the back pages of the paper, and it basically says you're a jerk, uh, and it's a second language. I think that's people don't necessarily understand that. And just what advice do you give younger players who come from the Dominican or other Latin American countries and come to the United States and play baseball and have to deal with the media? And and generally speaking, it's changed a little bit now. Um, but back then, you know, it was really on the player, not fairly, but it was on the player to learn English as opposed to the reporter speak Spanish or a translator. So what's your advice to them? Uh, I would just say just try to be professional. Uh, we have a say in, in Latin America that each word, that each head is a world. Uh, there's nothing you can do with the way other people think. I don't think you need to be a jerk to a reporter just because he he probably said something about you not performing. Uh, you have to respect that. Uh, I think that the way you are, your, your nature of uh, as, as a human being, uh, should never change. Baseball is baseball. If you limit yourself to just answering what went on in baseball and you give them an honest answer, uh, they don't need to call you jerk for, because of that. Uh, they don't need to call you anything. They they just need to respect you for what you are and what you did and 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 the things that you needed to speak about. You don't need to get or take anything personal when the media writes it now when they write it about you in a personal way when they write it about your private life it's totally different that's not talking about baseball so my suggestion to a young player that's being criticized or maybe i don't know uh being pampered by the media or or you know uh, celebrated by the media is to just keep himself like a professional and remember that private life has nothing to see with your performance on the field. And what they're digging to know is the reason why you're successful or not successful in the big leagues and keep it at that. Uh, and and, and once you leave the field, there's no, no business uh, for, for, for anybody in the media. You have to behave how you walk down the street. And that's the thing as, as, Probably as as confrontational as I was, I was always a role model citizen on the streets. I never mistreated anybody in the clubhouse, any workers, never disrespected anybody around me. Uh, very protective when I was a player from to my teammates. I would not allow ownership, anybody, coaches, 
or anybody to kind of get on a player without me being in front of it. Uh, I was very protective. I was very, uh, uh, you know, uh, overprotective sometimes uh, of my my teammates against the opposition too. I would not hide that. I would I would not deny that I hit people just on retaliation. If you didn't stop me on time and you said that was my brother, the one who hit me, I'm sorry, your brother your brother was going to go down because if you didn't explain to me why you were so pissed off about being hit, well, I was going to take matters into my hands. But um, I, I never did anything to offend a reporter in a personal way. I never did anything to disrespect them. I took their questions. I answered their questions. And that would be my suggestion. Just limit yourself to answering what you have to answer uh, about your career, about your game, about, you know, you being you in the field. But when it came to personal stuff, just don't. And don't do the same thing with the media. You respect them when they ask you the questions. You answer if you if you can. If you don't, just don't. If you don't understand it, please ask for a translator so you can have the, probably the best answer that they that they expect. Pedro, I got a quick question about one of those dust ups. Uh, yes. Don Zimmer. Yes. He comes running at you. I don't think you threw him down. I think you sort of got out of the way and and, and he tripped. Did you ever talk to him afterwards? How is that? Did you ever develop any kind of relationship with him afterwards? I tried. I try to kind of, in, in, in whatever way possible, uh, explain to him that even though I didn't feel like I deserved that, I didn't feel like I sh should have been in that situation, uh, I wanted to kind of get close to him and, and explain to him that if he knew how much respect I had for him and how much I loved the game, we would have probably been the best friends in baseball because I love baseball as much as he did and I guarantee you that I can guarantee you that because I still have the passion for for the game I still have the love I, I haven't lose it I would never lose it and and that is the one thing that that Zim and I had in common we both loved the game we were passionate about it uh, I don't think he stopped to look at the situation men on first and second ninth place hitter hitting Karin Garcia uh, it's a postseason game. I'm winning by one run. Uh, I'm struggling the entire game. I don't think he used his baseball IQ to, to read the situation before he decided to do what he did. He went by impulse. And uh, it's the only thing that you can ask me in my entire career. If I regret, I would say totally, 100%. Having that incident with Don Zimmer is something that I would not want to see in my resume. And you know what? It's so ironic that everybody remembers that. As protective as I am of kids or, you know, the child uh, and, and, and the elderly people, I, I, that's one that I would love to erase from my entire life, not just the baseball, but my life in general. I don't want anybody to remember anything I did uh, around that that incident. And uh, I think Zimmer took it with a lot of responsibility. I think he said it the right way. He apologized. I refused to apologize because I didn't feel like I 
I owe an apology to anybody. I mean, I, I, I was put in that situation and I just reacted. I protected myself. I did not go after him. I did not do anything to, to be in that situation. If you analyze how important it is to beat the Yankees in a postseason game to try to get to the next level and the situation I am, well, it did, I, I don't think I, I'm that dumb to go and try to hit the ninth place hitter and uh, nonetheless hit him in the head. I never hit anybody in the head with a fastball. Uh, to be honest, at that point, I was just struggling, sore shoulder. I went out there. I was just getting by. And uh, that ball just on a slight step that I try to use to surprise Corinne Garcia and throw his balance off. I dragged the ball and the ball went behind his head, but no, no intentions whatsoever. As much as I love hitting people in retaliation and or because of disrespect, that one was not intentional. And it just happened. Fair enough. Last one here for you. The idea of managing or coaching or owning a team. What, what when you look at what the future is for Pedro Martinez, what do you what do you foresee? Owning a team. Oh, believe me, I would love to be part of a team. I would love to be part of a, a, an organization and get myself dirty. Uh, coaching, I I do it partially with the Red Sox. I go there, especially in spring training or during the regular season when when I'm allowed to. As you know, with COVID and the pandemic, uh, we, we all were separated and only a certain amount of coaches could be there. But in a regular situation, I'll be in with the team every once in a while. Uh, spend the day as the game we're about to start. I would come up and take a shower and go back to the front office and watch the game from one of the suites. Uh, but I like doing a little bit with the team. But I don't think I have 162 in me to end the trouble, end the spotlight, and being there like every single day at 11 in the morning. No. I retired from baseball, from playing the game, because I wanted some rest. I wanted to be me. I wanted to be part of my family. And if I do that, I'm committed for 162 for a lot more time than I did as a player, for uh, a lot less time with the family, and plus the travel and all that. I I got I got enough of it. Uh, becoming a manager? No, that's one other thing that would take you not only at 11 in the morning, but probably at 10 in the morning to the field, all night on the phone, all night emails, all night with so many people talking back and forth. When do you eat? When do you sleep? When do you have time for your family? Uh, no, I don't, I don't see myself doing that, even though I am very sharp when it comes to situations, understanding the game, understanding pitching, understanding how to be a coach. You got to go because your guy at TBS, Jay Moskowitz, who turned the, you know, set this up, a great PR guy, set this up. However, he's, he's, he's texting me. We got to go. But before you go, I quickly, because I, you got to get to your meetings for, uh, you know, for your, for the pregame show. Mm -hmm. uh, Ding dong Johnson. You got to tell us <laughs> when that came quickly, just quickly, because you got to go, not because of us, you got to go. Ding dong Johnson. What is that? Where does that come from? Well, I, I used to have a coach, uh, Jim Tracy. Uh, when you gave up like a long one, 
it, it was like a, a, a Dean Dong Johnson. That was that, that was like, God damn, Petey just gave up a Ding Dong. And but that was a Ding Dong Johnson. That was a long, long one and uh a deep one. So uh, he said he used to always say that that was a ding dong jump when you gave up a long one. And uh, every time I saw a homer from someone since then, I just went, wow, that's a ding dong jump. I remember Chili Davis taking me deep in one of the best games I've ever pitched in, in Yankee Stadium. And I was like, wow. And then I, I whispered myself inside of me like that was a ding dong jump. That was a long one. Like I, I stopped to watch it. Like it was so long, it was so hard that I, 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 I called myself for a Ding Dong Johnson, <laughs> and that's that's the rest of uh, the the story behind it. I just, I just love like saying stuff like that, like that comes out naturally. But I'm always thinking whenever I see a homer, homers are so much fun to watch, uh, not to give up, and and. Uh, I'm always looking on to see if I see one. Ding dong, Johnson. (laughs) You didn't give up that many of them. Pedro, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, John's going to write some stories so you get a 10-year deal like Barkley. Uh, It's coming, Pedro. It's coming. That would be lovely. That would be lovely. But I'm I'm extremely grateful for them to give me the opportunity to get into something new, something I never thought I I would love. But uh, you know, they gave me a, a huge opportunity to get to use this platform to teach, to uh, enjoy, to analyze, to keep myself sharp when it comes to baseball and analyzing the different situations that pop up every single day. You just never stop learning from baseball. If you want to learn some, if you want to learn something new every day, you just watch a baseball game. There's something that comes up every single day that you use to your knowledge, you use for learning. So if anybody loves baseball as much as I do, please watch baseball as much as you can. You tell Jay, we could have had you on for another hour, man. Uh, this was a real pleasure. Thank you very much. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, at any point, if I have the time, I'll be more than happy to now uh, cooperate with my colleagues like you guys, because I <laughs> called you my colleagues. and. I, one thing I want to say to you all, including Chanasi, I do have a lot more respect for what you do uh, and the accountability that comes with it. Uh, you guys taught me a lot by, uh, you know, respecting how you, you went about your business, your entire careers. And uh, now that I'm doing it, I realize how accountable, responsible, and uh, professional you have to be when you write, when you when you speak, when you're on the spotlight. So my respect to you, and uh, I can now say colleagues. <laughs> there you go. We'll take that. We'll there take we that. go. We're colleagues with Pedro Martinez. Thank you, thank you, Pedro. All right. You have a nice day, you guys. Bye. Bye-bye. Andrew, as somebody who in the stands probably booed Pedro a ton, that was a lot of fun for me. What I was most struck by It's just how seriously he's taking this job. I mean, I think this is, I got a glimpse at why he was such a great pitcher because he really wants to be good on air. And that came through to me in just about every answer that he gave. Well, Paige is really smart, right? And 
I never covered him as a beat guy, but he's a good guy, I think, right? You could just kind of get that sense just talking to him. Uh, and those are two uh, good combinations. Uh, he'll be in studio for the LCS, uh, you know, all the series um, with Costas and Granderson and Jimmy Rollins. And, and they've done a pretty good job of putting that show together. Uh, you know, it's obviously they have inside the NBA with Barkley. It's iconic. Uh, but I think that show is, is pretty good. Uh, and, you know, it's especially post game, which is kind of where the magic is, I think, with these shows. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we did. We got the explanation on Ding Dong Johnson, which I think is pretty good. I, that's, uh, he, they love that. They, and they, they, they do a lot with the Ding Dong Johnson. They also do the Who's Your Daddy? You know, Pedro, after every game, says, Who's Your Daddy? And kind of basically a player of the game uh, from Pedro's point of view. So they're having some fun there. So that's good. All right. Let's get into our call of the week. Call of the week. Hey, John, this is a, this is a call of the week dispute. Yeah. We don't Go, usually I'll, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll let you, you, you intro it. Go All ahead. Right, Tony Romo. I said, let me give it to Romo. Tony Romo, CBS during the first half of Chiefs Bills, supposed to be a high score. He said, no, no, no not going to be a high score. Could be 24 20. Then he said 30 20, but he said 24 20. The final score Bills 24, Chiefs 20. That's a call of the week to me. Let's hear what he said. Not going to be a high scoring game, Jim. Wow. Because these two. Defenses are going to make you drive the field. The clock's going to run a lot because you're going to be consistently checking it down, running the football. Every once in a while, you get a big play. But this is going to be a 24 to 20 type of game, maybe 30 if somebody goes off. All right, John, what says you? That's not a call of the week. The guy said 24 20. Hey, there's some luck involved, sure, but the score was 24 20. That's, that's pretty good. That's a call did of the he, week. Did he have the Chiefs winning or did he have the Bills winning? He just threw out a number and, and, then, and then he threw out 32. So if it was 30, the, uh, the 21, what, what, yeah. would, would that count as well? It would have. Yes, he got two numbers. He got two Listen, high man, numbers. Yeah. And he, he's not going to say who won the game, who's going to win the game. He's calling the game. Look, Tony Romo is a good analyst. I love when he predicts the, the plays that are happening. We don't need to myth make for Tony Romo. That wasn't an actual call. Like, I mean, come on. Ah, to all my CBS friends, I will stop myth making for Tony Romo. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's going to do it. John, been a pleasure. As always, really want to. Say thank you to our special guest, Pedro Martinez, and of course, the guys who get this whole show going, AC White and Chris Mason, who, who do it all uh, behind the scenes, and we appreciate them. If you can rate, uh, subscribe, and if you leave a comment, uh, the better. Uh, that's helpful, and we appreciate it. If you can't, no problem. I know you're busy. Uh, but, uh, but it's been our pleasure, and uh, thanks for listening again. You know, Andrew, our bosses always tell us, make sure you, you get them to, to rate and reply. Do, do you think that even matters? I don't know if it even matters. What do you mean? It doesn't matter if they do it? Yeah, I mean, that people listen to the pod. We had uh, the information came, came out and uh, Jimmy Pitaro and Sean McManus both listed our pod as a pod to listen to. That's worth more than any kind of rating, don't you think? Yeah, it's pretty good. And then you're saying Tony Romo, no. So there you go. Thanks a lot, Sean McManus. <laughs> that's, what, that's what John said. I said, Tony Romo, call the week. Uh, All right, that's going to do it. See you guys. Hey, thanks for listening.